On today's Locked on Jayhawks, big noon is coming to Kansas. What the bye week hopefully helped out with for KU football headed into, at this point, their biggest game of the season against the Oklahoma Sooners. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Derek Johnson, you can hear me as well, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can find us on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. If you're on a podcast platform that allows reviews, give us a positive one if you could. It really helps us out on our end of things. On today's episode of Locked on Jayhawks, we're talking KU football coming off the bye week. What the bye? I hopefully could have done for KU football headed into a gigantic matchup with Oklahoma on big noon this Saturday, uh, what the next three games could look like because it's, it's this sprint to the finish line now with five to go, but three games before K state. And I think this is going to be a really important, I guess, third, if you view it that way, uh, or, or a quarter of the season from, from there. Uh, and then the week ahead, because it's, it's a big week ahead. We're getting into crossover season, KU football and KU basketball. First, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy with Prize Picks. Okay, what the buy could have done for KU. Obviously, uh, the cool announcement earlier this weekend that KU will be getting Big Noon, which is the Fox, basically, edition of College Game Day. They're going to be the uh, 11 a.m. game Central Time, uh, but noon Eastern Time for the game between Kansas and Oklahoma in Lawrence and the festivities, the fanfare, uh, you know, it's a crew with like Brady Quinn and Urban Meyer and uh, Mark Ingram replaced Reggie Bush this year on the show, and, and they've got Matt Leinart. Uh, on the show. And, you know, in some ways, like, I don't know, I, a lot of people have kind of been talking this year that college game day just hasn't really felt the same in the last couple of years. And there are a couple of reasons why people have the reasoning for, and, and everybody can have their own thing. I, I watched a, a full episode, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and I just, I, I felt like it wasn't the same. Like there, there wasn't as much like breaking downs of the games. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me missing. Nonetheless, big noon is an excellent show and, and it is starting to eat a little bit into what college game day is doing. Um, who knows? Maybe in 20 years, it, it ends up being the bigger thing. I don't know. But either way, it's another cool show and another cool opportunity for KU to get plugged and everything. So you come off the bye week against Oklahoma, and there are a lot of ways that this team needed the bye week. I, I think Kirby Smart said a week or two ago, uh, he's never met like a bad bye week. He's never had a, a bye week at a bad time. Like bye weeks are always good and that that's the case is you know no matter what you're gonna have players injured you're gonna have different things you can work on different things you can get extra game plan for and that's definitely true for Kansas but this is about as perfect as you could ask for I think if you asked a coach they'd probably prefer to have the bye week at this point of the season kind of midway through than they would after the like second or third week of the year where then you have to play you know 10 straight games without a bye week so on that hand it's a positive it's before at this point your biggest game of the season with Oklahoma um and, and I guess arguably the best team you're playing all season long because OU beat Texas. And on top of that, you have some injuries that you're trying to overcome that, that this could coincide at the perfect situation. And that's the first part of the bye week, typically. And it is this year as well. Getting players healthy, something that it could help Kansas with coming into this weekend. Now, this both applies for players that we do know are injured and that we don't know are injured. And as far as the don't know injured players, like there are certain players that are probably banged up or dealing with bumps and bruises 
that we don't even know about because there is no injury report. This isn't like the NFL. It's either you're out and then we find out about it or we hear about it. You're like, why is this guy not on the field? Or you play through it, you know? And we don't really get to hear about some of those things that it could be, uh, you know, affecting certain players' performances. Maybe a player had a bad game because he was dealing with an injury or he was dealing with a sickness and you just didn't know about it, right? And that's what makes, I think, college football maybe even a little bit harder to analyze what some of the individual player performances kind of did on a week-to-week basis. But then obviously there are players that we do know about, and the biggest one happens to be your quarterback, the preseason Big 12 player of the year with Jalen Daniels. Now, I, the, the Lance Leipold media from earlier today did not sound overly encouraging. It did say that he was doing more this week and, and now in practice than he was maybe a couple weeks ago. He still classified did Lance Leipold as doubtful slash questionable, which to be clear, those are very different things. Usually when you see doubtful on like an NFL injury designation, it's like a 1% thing two percent thing where it feels like the player actually plays after being listed doubtful maybe that number's too low but it it feels like it's a very small percentage whereas questionable does really feel like a 50 50 proposition like those tend to be very very different things maybe this is Lance Leipold trying to gain some sort of competitive edge you know we've talked about that early in the season when you're playing like an FCS team and a coach is very secretive about the quarterback position we're like why are you doing this it's an FCS team you should beat them with your fifth string quarterback with this game, it maybe makes a little bit more sense with Oklahoma, right? So that is something that's kind of very interested in, uh, interested here. And for a coach like Brent Venables, who has been known nationally as being like arguably the best sign stealer in college football, like he is a very crafty, wise dude as a coach. You don't want to give him anything extra. He's already a good enough coach. He's already crafty enough on his own end of things. So I guess that could make sense. Um, maybe he does end up playing this Saturday. I have no idea. Um, but sounds like there's a chance, though maybe it's it's 50-50. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Now, as far as the defense fans, that was a position group that's really been banged up here. Uh, partial like practice, it sounds like, for Hayden Hatcher. So maybe that one's still a little bit iffy, but a week off couldn't hurt there. I think Jeremy Robinson, Austin Booker were dealing with some stuff, so you figure the week off helps them there. I think the defensive end position in totality probably will gain the most. Uh, from this never hurts for your running backs or your skill players to get a little more fresh legs and we saw that last year Devin Neal coming off the bye week was awesome against Oklahoma State so that doesn't hurt either uh, unfortunately we do have some injury news uh, Andrew Russell who's like a good special teams player and uh, Logan Brown who was your offensive tackle you brought in his former five-star recruit at, at Wisconsin he uh, is out for the rest of the season with an injury. They're going to apply for a medical red shirt for Browns. That hurts a little bit of your depth on the offensive line, but Brown wasn't really able to, to retain much of a spot uh, in the rotation or, or in the, the starting five or in the lineup or anything for this year. So hopefully you can get the medical red shirt and you can still have two more years in Kansas because the ceiling obviously uh, still high on Logan Brown. Beyond that, the bye week also gives you extra prep time, time for a Oklahoma high-tempo offense. We saw last season, Kansas really struggled against high-tempo teams. Whether it was Oklahoma, he gave up 52 points to, or it was the Texas Tech game where he gave up uh, like over 40 points in that game. There were a lot of games where KU played high-tempo teams, and it wore them down, and they had trouble. You looked at the TCU game, you got 31 points or whatever it was, 28 points in the second half. Tempo caused Kansas problems last year. Now, so far this year, you haven't had to deal with tempo as much. Like with the UCF game, you just played great defense like all the way through, and they struggled to really get momentum. And they didn't run – they weren't like an always tempo team. Now, Oklahoma State ran a little bit of tempo, and, and that gave you some trouble. Oklahoma's eighth in the country in 
plays per game at about 78 plays per game. They get up there. They run fast. Um, good news is you have the bye week to try to work on some of those things. Beyond that, it's also extra prep for the Oklahoma multiple defense. And the Oklahoma defense has been uh, very good so far this season. Last year, they really struggled. This year, another year under Brent Venables, very good. And Venables is a exotic defensive type. I mean, the, the scheme there, uh, there's guys coming from all over. You don't know who's blitzing. You don't know who the down linemen are. It's very complicated, very complex, very tough to figure out. So having an extra week to get prepped for a very versatile and very talented and very, I mean, productive to this point defense doesn't hurt either. Also doesn't hurt that it's extra time in the lab for Andy Kotelnicki and some of the things that he can kind of keep speed up. And then I think just in refocusing after a loss to Oklahoma State, you know, it's always when you hear from players, when you lose a game, like that whole week leading up next to it, like the very next day, you're already hungry. You're chomping at the bit to get back out on the field because you want to get the bad taste out of your mouth. You want to get that loss out of your mouth. You want to get back to your winning ways. And when you have the bye week in between a loss, especially a game like the Oklahoma State game where you feel like you could have won and, and you did a lot of things that you kind of shot yourself in the foot in, in a couple areas, it almost makes you like hungrier for this game. You know, you already were hungry. You already were going to try to win. And you, of course, want to beat Oklahoma. But it almost makes you even more revved up coming in because you're trying to get that bad taste out of your mouth. And you've had to sit with it now for a couple of weeks. Um, by the way, if KU does lose to Oklahoma, they would be five and three, obviously. Their three losses at this point would probably be the top three teams in the Big 12. Like Texas and Oklahoma feel like the top two. Uh, I, I I toyed with it. I pondered with the idea. Is Oklahoma State the third best team in the Big 12? I mean, they beat K-State, they beat KU. Then they just won on the road against West Virginia. I feel like you have to pick them. So the good news is that wouldn't be a huge deal if you lost and you're five and three. But when you look at it that way, the bad news would be eventually you do have to beat some of those teams up at the top to kind of level up your program. And also that's a negative because this year's schedule features all those types of team. And, and it makes the win output kind of in question. But uh, yeah, just refocusing in general after the loss to Oklahoma State, another positive uh, from the bye week that you hope KU takes into this week against Oklahoma. Uh, we're going to get on to uh, what would be a good record for KU in these next three games before they have the K-State game. I think you're looking at um, most important games or biggest games of the season remaining. Like Maybe most important still is K-State local recruiting aspect and all that stuff. Uh, but certainly, it'd either be Oklahoma or K-State. So let's look at the next three games before that and uh, over the final two for for kind of a KU record call with Locked on Jayhawks. All right, so uh, KU takes on Oklahoma on Saturday. And then after that, they'll be going on the road against Iowa State, which, by the way, they announced they're going to do like the six-day flex schedule thing. I hate it when they do that stuff. So we all find out the, the, the time, at least it's a road game, to maybe you're you're not going to the game. And if you are going to the game, then you were making the road trip up there anyway. anyway so you probably have all day figured out. But anyway, uh, we'll find out that game time until Sunday. And then uh, the next day, we should find out the next game, which will be uh, KU back at home against Texas Tech. So those are your next three games. And then you finish up at Kansas State and uh, at home again, or on the road against Cincinnati. The... I guess UCF-Oklahoma game that just happened this past Saturday where UCF nearly beat Oklahoma. They missed a two-point conversion to try to tie the game late. They were leading for different moments uh, in the third quarter at 2017, 23-17. You obviously smacked UCF. Now, we can play it the other way with the transitive property too, right? You can play the transitive property of KU dominated UCF, beaten by 30, 
and then UCF nearly beat Oklahoma. You can also play the transit property. OU beat Texas, and Texas smacked Kansas, right? So it, it, it's hard to figure out, and there are different things that go into this, whether it's Styles making fights, uh, college kids being up for a certain game, maybe not being up for another game. John Rice Plumley was a lot better and healthier, obviously, in the Oklahoma game. Uh, will Jalen Daniels play? Will Jason Dean play? You know, how did that affect those other games and those other reference points, right? There, there are different ways. Like Kansas is a better running uh, team offensively than Oklahoma is, and I think that takes more advantage of the UCF defense. UCF, I think, is probably better uh, like speed defense and they are running defense. They're not as physical. So, you know, maybe they're a better matchup for Oklahoma, right? There, there are a lot of things to, that you don't just look at that and go, oh, well, they only lost by two. Kansas should, should win this game. Um, but seeing another team do that, that should give you confidence that OU is not, you know, Michigan, where Michigan is just beating every Big Ten team they play. They haven't played one of the, you know, Penn States or Ohio States yet, so we'll see what they do there. But when they're playing any of the teams that are even close to receiving votes or, like, even decent in the Big Ten, they're just pile-driving. They're beating them 56 nothing like, every game or 49-10 or something. That's not what is happening for Oklahoma. That's not what we've seen from the top teams in the Big 12, that every game really is winnable or losable, depending on which side of the coin you're on. And then you look at how the last two seasons went. You lose by 10 uh, in Norman in, in a game that felt like, like if you compared the two, the, the game two years ago in Lawrence where you lose by 12, if you remember a weird game, like the power went out in the first quarter. Um, you ended up leading at halftime. Oklahoma only had like two possessions of the football or something like that. And then Oklahoma came back. Devin Neal has like the fourth and goal touchdown. It felt like you might win the game. Caleb Williams goes off in the fourth quarter. Then the play that was controversial with he takes the ball from the running back and moves forward on the first down on what would have been uh, Kansas football at the OU 40 down 28-23 with like three minutes left. Um, that game was actually closer than the game last year, but the game last year ended up with a closer score. That game, Kansas was always kind of down 14, 17, 21, and just kind of close, strong, but kept moving the ball offensively. But because you you played them well, well the last two years at least, you know, you, you were competitive in both those games. Because of that game last week, the UCF Oklahoma, that should give you at least a little bit of confidence that you can hang in there and, and maybe have a shot at this thing. Um, it is tough because typically, like really good teams like Oklahoma, if they have a week where they don't have the best performance, which is how I would classify UCF. They usually typically bounce back. They don't have bad performances back-to-back, but I, I guess you never really know. So what would be a realistic thought or a realistic record over these next three? Because if you are viewing this as a game of against Oklahoma, yeah, I just I, I don't know how I can get around to winning the game against the top five team. Then all of a sudden, you almost view one and two as realistic, where you say, well, you know, Texas Tech and Iowa State, could we be favored in both? I don't know. The, that Iowa State might be like a coin flip. They might be favored by three. We might be favored by three. It, it depends what happens with OU. And then you look at the, uh, the the Texas Tech game at home. I'd imagine Kansas will be favored in that one. But what happens if you're coming off losses at Iowa State in Oklahoma where you'd have, at that point, four straight losses going into the Texas Tech game, right? Then what happens going into that one? So maybe you just view it as you go one and one between Iowa State and Tech. And because your favor are underdogs by like 11 points to OU, maybe that means one and two is realistic here over this next stretch of games, which would put you at six and four. It would put you at bowl eligibility and it would put you at a shot to, even if you split the last two, you have a win improvement from the year before and you finish with a winning record, you get the over on the win totals, right? That puts you in line to still accomplish a lot from what we talked about in the preseason. If you can go two and one though, over these next three, that would be big time because that either means you beat Oklahoma, which would be the biggest win of the Lance Leipold era so far. Or it would mean that you took care of business with the other two 
and you were going into the K-State game at seven and three, which at that point with, again, your three losses there would be probably the three best teams in the Big 12, and you would maybe even be ranked again. The one thing you have to avoid here is 0-3. You can not drop the 5-5 five and five and put all your pressure of making it to a bowl game on winning on the road on a senior day at Cincinnati or beating K-State at home, a team you've really struggled with in this series. So 1-2 and two is acceptable. It can get the job done. 2-1, and one, I think you're ecstatic. Obviously, if you go 3-0, and oh, if, if you win this game against Oklahoma, it resets the expectations. And all of a sudden, if you do upset Oklahoma, now you are favored against Iowa State. Now you're favored by more against Texas Tech. And maybe we readjust the expectations and say, man, if they could get to 3-0, and right? But it all counts on this game, and, and it's it's tough. Um, obviously, if you do beat Oklahoma, it completely changes the trajectory of the season. You lose this game to Oklahoma like maybe you're kind of expected to with the books being underdogs by 11 points. It's more of, yeah. Just, you know, what good bowl game can you get to? Can you get back to bowl eligibility? Can you win more games than you did a season ago? If you win this game, this would be the type of game that changes how we view this Lance Leipold program from now they're a decent football team, now they're a competitive football team, to one where we would go, no, the Lance Leipold era is here as this is one of the top teams in the Big 12, and they have shown they can beat one of those top teams in the Big 12. And that's why I think if Kansas could beat Oklahoma on Saturday, it would be the biggest win. I, I know you have the Texas win in 2021 and everything that started up. Uh, I know you have the Oklahoma State win last year that got them bowl eligible or you know some of the other wins that they've had along the way. You beat Oklahoma on Saturday, it would be the biggest win in the Lance Leipold era. It would be the biggest win for Kansas football since when? Orange Bowl season, the, the win in the Orange Bowl against Virginia Tech, right? Shock the world. Get it done. But uh, yeah, over the next three, one and two doable, two and one, I think you feel really good about. We're going to continue on with some more uh, KU football talk, but also some KU basketball talk about to be in crossover season here with Locked on Jayhawks. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun you can have winning up to 25 times money your season this football season, but they also have a bunch of other sports too. You just select two or more players, up to six. You pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place their entry. So I've been doing a lot with the you know NLCS, ALCS. You have the World Series too. You can get a pitcher strikeouts more or less, and then you combine it with like, oh, Monday Night Football game, like this quarterback to have more passing yards, and then all of a sudden you throw a Jason Bean in there, like to have more than one and a half passing touches. You put them all together, the more you put together, the higher the payouts are, and they even have flex pays where you're like, well, if I'm not confident, I'm going to get all six of these, but if I get four of six, I can get this sort of winnings, or if I get, you know, three of four, I can get at least partial winnings. You just select two or more players, pick more or less, you test your skills on prize picks this football season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you can have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college with code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. What's ahead this week for KU? Well, it's certainly a big week. KU Oklahoma on Saturday, like I said, I, I think it would be the biggest win for the KU football program in at least 15 or 16 years. Uh, maybe you want to go back to the 08 season and, and pick a game from that year in which they ended up winning the inside bowl, but I, I really do think it would be that big that you go back uh, to the Orange Bowl win over Virginia Tech, which obviously that one would be bigger, but that would be the capping point from when you go back to. Uh, but this is also going to be the start of like crossover season. Um, so this week is going to be KU women's and men's basketball media day. Uh, later this week. Then on Sunday, KU takes on Illinois in KU basketball's first exhibition game. It will be televised. I think it's on 5 p.m. 
p.m., 4 p.m., something like that on Sunday. So uh, I know for some people it'll be a little bit of a bear that that you'll have that game kind of going on at the same time as, as the Chiefs game because he's going to be playing on Sunday. But uh, KU Illinois, Illinois, for my money, is a top 25 team in the country. It might be even better than that. But don't overreact to what happens on Sunday, right? Um, last year, I think Illinois ended up in a secret scrimmage. I guess the the rumor was in the secret scrimmage, Illinois like beat Kansas by one or it was a tie or something. Illinois ended up getting a nine seed. Kansas ended up getting a one seed. It's it's the first game of the year. Also, if it's a top 25 team on the road, if if you said in the middle of January, Kansas went on the road against the top 25 big 12 team and lost, you would just view it as, as like, okay, that's just part of what happens. So if Kansas loses this, just because it's the first game and it's the only sample size you have, it probably is going to make you overthink it and be like, oh, are they the number one team in the country? I'm just telling you over the course of the season, if you played on the road against the top 25 team, chances are you're going to lose a couple of those games. It's the first one of the year. Don't overreact if they lose this game because it is a losable game. Illinois is a good team, and it's on the road in an exhibition event. That said, uh, should be a lot of fun, and you're going to see where we're going to we're going to get into our preview later this week and things we're kind of watching for and things I expect in the game. We're about to be in crossover season. It's exciting. KU basketball, KU football, plenty of content coming at you all throughout the week and uh, all throughout the upcoming seasons here with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for this episode of the show. You can find us anywhere you get any of your podcasts, including on our YouTube page. See you next time with LOJ.